The day came on one of the pass-off parades where one of the parents came up to me and says, oh, you know, you're Corporal Bennett. My son doesn't stop talking about you. You've really changed his life. And the light bulb went off in a negative way because immediately I thought I'd also change the life of every recruit that had not passed in, that had returned back to the civilian life. So my evaluation myself is the one that counts. So if I need to believe I'm doing a good job or a bad job. And I always pride myself on doing the best job I could. Uh, how confident are you and what support structure have you got as a manager, as a coach to know what to do in those moments? And then how good are you at measuring your success in your people's behaviours, the people you're working with, interacting with? And how good are you at developing that? And how can you measure that based on behaviours and performance, not just based on outcome? One of the things we've got to recognise is when we're looking at someone, don't look at their present behaviour and think that's them. Their present behaviour is influenced by their interpretation of the past and interpretation of the situation. And maybe they haven't been given the tools to help them be a different person or a better person within themselves. And if, if you speak to anyone that knows me, that the one thing I'll say is I live by the principles I share. And I think that's so important for anybody. Hi, I'm Al Fawcett. And this is Infinite Pie Thinking. So let me tell you what these conversations are all about. Now I get to talk with remarkable people who share their stories. They share their challenges, their experiences, their lessons, their perspective, and of course, what they did with it. This is not a how-to guide, but it is a look inside someone's world to have the chance to see it from their side. And along the way, maybe you'll think about things a little differently or in a new way and take some action as a result. Okay, so today's episode is my conversation with Mark Bennett, MBE. Mark has spent the last 30 years developing scalable strategies to help individuals and organizations to maximize their performance potential. Now, this is not just about quick hit interventions. You're going to hear how he works in a variety of environments to embed one of his key principles that performance is a behavior, not an outcome. And then how he created the sustainable change required within individuals, teams and organizations. A former British commando and a senior instructor within the Army Physical Training Corps, Mark has used that experience to design and implement what he calls the performance development system. In this conversation, you're going to get a taste of what that system is all about and how you can apply it to improve your leadership, coaching, mentoring, managing and influencing skills. So take a listen and let me know what you think. Mark, welcome to Infinite Pie Thinking. Thanks for inviting me. Now, this is going to be great. I've been reading a lot of your stuff and looking at a lot of the things that you do. You've been working on your performance development system for 30 plus years now. So the first question I suppose I'm going to ask is, where did it start? Was there an aha moment or a light bulb moment that started you on this path? And if so, what was it? Yes, there was. I remember where I was. I remember the day. Um, I remember the people in the room. I even remember the chairs and the room, the detail of it. It's one of those, it was in the 90s, early 90s. Um, I'd, I'd just come, I was in the army. I'd come from commando forces, served operationally. I was, I was a physical training instructor as well. I was then promoted to a recruit training center as their physical training instructor. So obviously the commando forces are a little bit fitter and the mentality is a bit more robust than your standard military. And the short story is we had 10 weeks, you had a platoon and you had them for physical training um, on generally a daily basis. And I, I could pretty much do what I wanted to. And at the end of the 10 weeks, there was different platoons with different physical training instructors 
And at the end of that 10 weeks, you had competitions, log race, obstacle course, endurance, etc. And for the first 18 months, my platoons won every single one. So I'm thinking I'm the man. I'm awesome at my job. And then the day came. The day came on one of the pass-off parades where one of the parents came up to me and says, oh, you know, you're Corporal Bennett. My son doesn't stop talking about you. You've really changed his life. And the light bulb went off in a negative way because immediately I thought I'd also changed the life of every recruit that had not passed in, that had returned back to the civilian life. So I started then to constantly look at my numbers and some of my platoons were smaller in passing out than the others. Well, I questioned and then I realized that actually... I wasn't really developing everyone. The people that had a lot of the mental robustness, the ability to continue when things got tough, the engagement, etc., kept up with me. But the people that didn't have that, I clearly, I may have changed some, but I didn't change enough. So I asked myself then, I need to either change what I do or change how I do it. Because I'm realizing now I'm pretty useless. So I went from a 10 out of 10 self-score to a two out of 10 self score in a, in a matter of an hour. Wow. Okay. That's incredible, really, in the sense of we're going to explore in a second what you did with that two out of 10 and how that motivated and drove you. But from the commando training point of view, don't they pride themselves on the, the weaning out process? You know, in a lot of those environments, it's almost like, well, it's the elite of the elite. So therefore, only a certain percentage will get through. So why, why was that perceived as a bad thing? Well, there was, there's two elements there is I, I, I came from commando forces. And in the 90s and before, you had to be a, a already a trained soldier. And then you volunteer to go on the commando course. And they didn't really, they weren't bothered about numbers because Royal Marines and Army are slightly different, but the Royal Marines were running the commando training wing and they didn't care how many passed. So it was a very arduous mentally and physically. But where I went to wasn't a commando unit. It was a, a standard recruit training center. So this was just civilians joining to join the Army and basic recruit training. So although actually at the time, there was talk about numbers, but it wasn't a big deal because I was getting enough through the door. It was my own self-awareness. You know, you don't know a spider's on the shoulder and you're happily wandering along. But as soon as you see that spider, you change. And it was that change moment. Right. I love that. And again, like I say, that self-awareness piece, that's something that I feel is the catalyst for change. You can't have it without that sort of recognition. There's that age old saying of you can't change what you don't acknowledge. So you've gone from a 10 to a 2 in the space of a very short period of time. Now, sometimes people have these aha moments and then very quickly go into the ah, yeah, but follow up. Ah, yeah, but it's not my fault. Ah, yeah, but that's what's expected of me. Ah, yeah, but and they'll justify it away. You've obviously reflected on that and not use it as an idea, but you've used it as a kick up the backside to do something about it. What was that? When you had that recognition and went, I'm now a two, how did you not just go into a vacuum? What was your direction from there? Well, we could use other words, but I've been called tenacious, <laughs> I've been called tenacious in the past. Um, so for me, my evaluation of myself, and I would say I self-evaluate myself, even as a kid, more than most people I know. So my evaluation of myself is the one that counts. So if I need to believe I'm doing a good job or a bad job. And I always pride myself on doing the best job I could. So there was no what is for me. For me, it was a recognition that that was unacceptable for me. The challenge I had, I had no one around me that was following the path that I now recognized I need to find. But I didn't know what it looked like. That was the challenge. But I had no problem in exploring it. But linking back to the negativity of this journey, the next platoons, I lost a couple of the competitions. So... I had a lot of stick by everybody around me. Remember, these were no internet days. I didn't know anyone that was doing this. 
And I just got people saying, Mark, you're getting soft, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Because success for them was winning competitions. Success for them was not about getting the numbers through or changing people that maybe didn't have those skills. And I was not good at explaining that. And I think this is a key thing as well is it's, you may see something and believe something, but unless you can share that in a way that other people understand that are of influence, it becomes very difficult. So I was on a lonely path, but I was getting better. And within about a year, I was starting to win the competitions again, and I was getting the big numbers. So right. I still didn't know exactly what I was doing, but I knew I could kind of do it. But if someone said, Mark, what are you doing differently? I couldn't really quantify a level of explanation. And I certainly didn't know how to influence other people in it, which came to another light bulb of negativity, another 10 years time, which was my other step. <laughs> we'll come yeah. to that. Hold that thought. It sounds like you recognized that the competition was just one measure of success. And you were focusing more on the process and the developing of those around you rather than whether or not you could win a competition or not. Was well, that right? Yeah, if I use the language I use within the system, I shift mm. my success criteria. Okay. So one was a want, one was a need. So before my need was for my own ego and everyone around me, I needed to win every competition. I because I was that for me. You're the best PTI if you win physical training instructor. If you win all the competitions, that then shifted to a want. So then, when my need shifted to, I need to get these people to pass in. I need to help develop people. My want is I want to win all the competitions, but I can't compromise the need for the want. And that was the mental shift. Okay, and then it's only over time you've actually been able to articulate it in that way. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. That, that took a that took a long time. Yeah. As well. And that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because that's what we see within business and leaders across the piece, where they have this desire for something, they have wants and needs, and it's their ability to articulate that to get others to influence others. I mean, to be a leader, you have to have people who want to follow you, right? Yeah, and I think the military doesn't help with that because there is a hierarchical scale that's very dominant and that does change your mindset a little bit. So I was really good at developing people that were underneath me. I mean, now I have an awareness to it. At the time, I didn't really. But at that time, it was me. I was in the present. I was flowing. I was listening well. There was no fear. And I was really good. But when I was being challenged by peers or people above me, I didn't flow. I wasn't present. I wasn't listening as well. I wasn't explaining well. I wasn't listening to understand first. And then I was less effective. So... I think that's part of the culture in the military that is not a good thing. Um, and I think it's in some businesses as well that I've learned now is also not a good thing that we need to break down those barriers of just because someone's above you, actually, you still need to be the best version of you and be confident and be present at listening, articulate without fear, but understand how to communicate. And I think sometimes without realizing people shift how they communicate how they listen whether they're speaking to someone junior to them equal to them or senior to them and definitely that that was a weakness in the military for me at, at that point yeah we can see that a lot you can see that positively and negatively you yeah. can see environments and cultures but we see this environment where people are brought in there can be a hierarchical structure and it just becomes a I will tell you what to do. It becomes a directive type approach. It's easy to talk about empowering people, but what about 
enabling them? What about giving them the tools to do the job and then getting out of the way? Yeah. I mean, you talk about now, you talk about almost like making yourself redundant as a coach. So is that something that you're talking about in that sort of environment where you're empowering and enabling people to do it while you're not there, I suppose? Yeah, that's definitely when I run my training, that's one of the first slides. Our aim is to make ourselves redundant while developing people that can be present, um, scan well, make effective decisions, commit to them with intent, without fear, review them live under any type of pressure without the need for you. That's kind of the quick, you know, off the tongue. And that's, that's where we need to get to. And then share with people that there's a light and shade to get there. But there are tools, fundamental tools that you first need to be aware of yourself and what to do more than tools that you just share at others or with others. So back to, as you mentioned earlier, it's about self-awareness of self. How accurate are you within your self-awareness of what you think you do and what you actually do, how you interact, how you manage your state, how you listen? And, and do you know how to get someone that is fearful or is just in a position where, they, where the culture has developed or the environment to say, well, just tell me what you want me to do, whatever that may be, do you know how to shift someone and take them on that journey? So I call and I use the words interdependent. So we have independent people that are very confident in their role, but can work effectively with each other. And it's that shift that I found now is a bit of a light bulb for many businesses and many sports, because there are so many similarities in education as well, I have to say. But if you look at sport, is the pressure of sport if you're a high profile coach and everyone from the outside is measuring your success on the scoreline, yep. on a win or lose. But actually... The facilitators of winning and losing is performance and behaviors. Now, the coach may know that, but the coach staying honest to that and not getting caught up in, right, we've just lost three in a row. Right, now I'm going to tell you what to do, players, and which is the worst thing you can do. But the pressure of doing that, very similar to management. So that's when we've got to understand how confident are you and what support structure have you got as a manager, as a coach, to know what to do in those moments and then how good are you at measuring your success in your people's behaviors, the people you're working with, interacting with, and how good are you at developing that? And how can you measure that based on behaviors and performance, not just based on outcome? I think that's key, isn't it? I've done things before now where I put up on a slide some score lines for games, literally from the newspaper at the weekend, up goes the score line to go, good game, bad game, and people will have an opinion. 3-0, that must have been cracking. That's just an outcome. Yeah, yeah. That is just literally a result. You don't know if there was great performance, if it was own goals, if the referee had a shocker. You don't, you don't know anything from yeah. that other than a result, a number. Yeah. And it's really, really fascinating to see that. And again, you mentioned there with regards to the manager, if he starts to have a bit of a, a slide and three in a row on a downward trend, there's a tendency to want to come in and start to tell, right, this is what we're doing. This is yeah. how we're doing it. And yeah. Where does that come from? Does that come from fear? Does that come from anxiety? Does that come from, well, I've got to take control? Where do you think that desire comes from? I think it's a combination of uh, their own learning and their interpretation of their own experiences and their knowledge and understanding of being aware in that moment, what to look for, what to analyze, and then what intervention will be the effective intervention. So there's a lot there and we could unpick that later. But the key thing is, is understanding that Always that Stephen Covey always begin with the end in mind. So there's a reason why there's a perception that you have itself that you're not getting the results that you want from others. So do you know how to break that down to identify if there is a behavioral source, a scanning choice, 
a choice of option choice or an intent intervention that you can identify the source of the issue then put in a support mechanism to develop that to build the confidence in the person so they can still do it without you they can just do it better next time so again we talk about this from a sports perspective we talk about the fact that once they go over the white line we have limited influence on them at the end of the day that's the players performing and you can say that in business as well that you know whilst i am not standing over their shoulder and looking at them or telling them we have this you could argue minimal opportunity to influence and it's how we maximize those minimal opportunities yep. rather than just like, right, I'm going to literally sit next to you and tell you what to do the whole time. Yep. So am I right in saying that from your perspective, that coach needs to sort of take a beat and do that self-analysis of going, okay, before I just let the emotional side of things take control and just go in and react accordingly, I need to take a beat and what am I thinking about myself here? What is going to be the best use of my skills, my knowledge, my opportunity to get the best out of those around me? Yeah, so there's two elements to that. Is one is being aware of your state first and, and as you would do in a relationship, whether that's with your partner or your kids, is am I in the effective state to be effective in this interaction? If the answer is no, you don't start the interaction. So that's that I've got to do that as a manager. That's my first step. So let me sort that out. Now I've sorted that out and we can put in interventions to do that internally, externally, which takes practice, but it's worth doing. Then we get to, okay, let me use a formalized process. So I've got an action review process to, to put back to that person, not me, to allow them to share with me the journey of the action review process they've been to. So we can both together analyze if there was a source of an issue or it was just one of them things you wouldn't change a thing it was just one of those things but they're involved now once you give managers that framework it makes it so much easier because one it's the same framework we're asking for the if we use sport the athlete and the coach would use the same the manager and, and the member of staff would use the same but we're not taking it off them we're saying okay let's work through this together and what I, we just go through the steps of the action review process they share we're listening then if we pick something we go ah it's there then we can go okay let's just discuss that i've spotted something there that will will help us next time and then we put the intervention in there firm fair and friendly they're still owning it or if we've identified actually it's an attitudinal thing they haven't committed to what they said we've just got our go-to is remind me what we agreed yeah it's back at them we're not telling them we don't say i told you to do this it's back at them remind me what we agreed they've, they've got to tell us so it's understanding is it behavior or is it a process of decision making Yep, love that. And again, you, just something you said almost as a throwaway line there with regards to is this something, you know, where they've gone against what we agreed? Well, that means you've agreed it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that means that you've actually sat down and had that right. Let's agree. What are the non-negotiables here? What are the way that we do things around here? And are you prepared to play that game with me? And I think this is where sometimes we don't go to the conscious with that. We don't make it almost like a literal contract of, right, so this is what we're both committing to. This is the roles that we both play in this. And therefore, when you have that conversation, well, we agreed this. Well, no, we didn't. You thought you agreed it with me, but I never committed to that. So you've got to have that conversation first and foremost up front where that becomes part of it, whether it be from a business point of view in the recruitment process of is this person the right fit? Do they have the same values that we're looking for? Or are they just really good at what they do and therefore we'll let them get away with 
certain behaviors until such times as their performance doesn't hit the measures that we're looking for. And then we'll call them on it and they go, well, you've let me get away with it for six months. Why do I need to change now? Yeah. And there's some key factors in there. And there's three big ones that I found in business now and in sport are the common trip ups. And I'll use business as an example. We'll have the manager that in their head, they're really clear on the tasks. They know exactly their expectations. They know what would be acceptable, what would be unacceptable, what would be exceptional, all in their head. Beautiful. Then what can often happen is they share that with the people that are going to go away and do it. So because they've shared it, they may share it again at the end of the meeting. So just confirm, we've all agreed this, this, this. And everyone else around the table is going, yes, boss. But they've never said it. So I use the principle of, I've got these little taglines to help things along. So I use the principle of player first, player last. And we use that in business, in sport, in education. So if we put it in a sport context, the coach or the manager, when a player comes to them, we don't first share our thoughts or our ideas or our evaluation. We go, okay, go, what have you got for me? The player then goes through the action review process and shares, bam, bam, bang. We're now listening because it's an audited process. We can pick up on either processes. Then we may ask any questions or seek clarity of the discussion. But at the end, it's player last. So the player last means whoever's going to go in and do it, they're the person that says what they're going to do. Not us reminding them. So that would be that player or that person in the business meeting, not the boss going, so we just agreed this. So we're going, okay, Sheila, just share me what we've agreed to make sure I haven't missed anything. Then Sheila would say, right, boss, um, this is what I'm going to do. Um, this would be unacceptable. I'm working towards this. And then they share what I call what ifs. So if this happens, I'm going to get back to you on this day. I'm waiting for this information. If this happens, um, that I'm going to do this. And that the boss is just listening and go, great. I agree. So now we know that person that's going to do it knows and never articulated in their own words what they're going to do, not us reminding them. And I think this is a common issue, particularly in business. We think, well, because we've covered it, I've said it, we think people are going to go and do it. The next stage is if the, if the environment's not right, they may still be nodding and telling you stuff, but it's dream world. It's not reality. So in that process, what we do is we give them what we call a cold call time and we say, okay, I love you saying that now. Can you now confirm by text or if you're in a support group of the WhatsApp or Slack, whatever, or an email, whatever you've said is by 10 o'clock tomorrow, can you just confirm that you're happy with that or that will give you time to pick anything else up you've missed now? So what we're doing is we're understanding that if we put this into an intervention with people just nodding at boss, they're still going to nod at boss. So we've got to get them to understand, actually, I don't want you to nod at me. Oh, you're the specialist. You're going to do it. I want you to tell me what you can and can't honestly do. I want you to set your relative deadlines or you know your timetable. If you can't do it, you need to let me know. And it may be an example to say, boss, I've got 10 things to do now. If I do all of them, my quality line is going to drop. So which ones do you want me to drop? Because I know you don't want me to drop the quality line. Which ones do you want me to prioritize? Now, if we can get someone saying that to their boss, we know we're, we're making good progress now. As opposed to nodding the boss, now they have permission, I call these permissions, to actually push that back at boss. And it's, I mean, there's many things, but that's just a little example of shifting that relationship. I love it. I love it. And again, what happens is when you have those quality conversations, rather than boss standing at the front of the, the room and it's his meeting or her meeting and they're just cascading, this is what needs to be done and you've got to do this by such and such and I'm expecting this by Friday or whatever it might be. You've got this engagement where they're sort of giving the overarching information. I have this belief that when you go to a meeting, you want to go with the attitude of what can I get from the meeting and what can I give to the meeting? So, What I want is I want to understand, boss, what are 
our current priorities and areas of focus are. So, you know, we have a roadmap for the next 12 months of success looking like XYZ, but at the moment, our focus is improving this. As a result of that, I turn around and go, right, this is how I can help to achieve that. But in order for me to do that, like you just said, I'm going to have to drop a couple of these things. Is that acceptable to you? And we can have an agreement. But what also happens is there's four or five other people in the room go, well, I can pick that up for you. I can help you with that. We go, brilliant. Now, all of a sudden, we're becoming a team rather than just a bunch of individuals with a whole load of tasks. But I'm going to ask you the question. So I love that bit at the beginning of what have you got for me? Because just a big starter for 10 questions like that is great. When they're coming back to you with information, what are you looking for and what are you listening for? Because I think that a lot of people focus on, you know, I'm going to give you some feedback and that feedback is based on what I've observed, but they're not always great at observing the right thing. So what do you think are the key things you're looking for and listening for? Well, first of all, we've got to know, oh, I call it the lighthouse or the success criteria. We've got to know what is it we're having the conversation about. So if it's, if it's the meeting, then there's two things going to happen, but we, both of them are linked into what's success for us. So even if they're walking down the corridor and someone grabs them and goes, oh, can I just chat to you? That little, okay, what's success for this? Because we're all in a rush. Oh, I haven't really thought about that. It's just a vent. Okay, just vent. How long do you need? 10 seconds. Or it's, oh, I need this. Great. So, so what we're doing then is we're keeping people relevant to what success is by the end of it. So there's two things going to happen. They're either going to come in with new information to allow you as a boss to make a decision. So they're, they're capturing, they're sharing data. Or you've already told them what success is. Now you're asking them, right, now I've told you what success is, where are you going to fit within this? Or how is it going based on what we agree? So it's either new or ongoing. Yep. But again, my action review process, we go back to using that again. So it's the common language, it's the same. So the basics of it is, if I share it with you, then you can go, okay, let's break that down or it makes sense. This is what we want managers to do itself. Any one of the staff to do, I get athletes, teachers, pupils, doesn't matter. They do it itself, but they use it as a pre-decision-making tool and a post-decision-making action evaluation tool. It's the same language, and it goes like this. Step one is be aware and manage my state. How is my state? So if my state's no good, my next step is scanning. So scanning is data finding. So whether that's a computer, to screen as an accountant or a basketball player on the court what we're doing is i'm recognizing now if my state's unacceptable and not present my scanning will deteriorate i won't be present i won't be collating all the data so my state's first then i collate data scanning once i collate the data i then look at all the possible options not just the one i always go for all the possible options then i look for what are the variables influences that will reduce those options that may be a time thing, that may be a seasonal thing, it may be a qualitative thing, doesn't matter. So the variables now get it down to one or two. Then we decide, okay, based on this, I'm going for this choice. Then you commit to the choice 100%. Next one is, then you do it. Next one is, did I commit 100%? Second one is, okay, how was the choice? Then how was the execution? And that is the action review process we use for post, pre, and self. Love that. Again, Lots of questions in relation to that. So do you see that from two sides then? So the individual should be doing that themselves. Yes. But as a coach and an influencer, that's what you're looking for, yes. their ability to do that. Have I spotted that they manage their state? Or am I going... So when you're giving feedback, for example, the, the feedback might be as simple as, using your language, your scanning went down to virtually nothing 
because your state wasn't allowing you to explore the, the data effectively. We don't even have to move on to commitment and execution and all that sort of stuff yet because we've nailed it at the first point. Is, is that where we're going? Well, let's do a yes and a no on that one. So, <laughs> okay. So, so the yes is we are scanning for the source. The source is the earliest one. So that starts from scanning. So the problem is a lot of us get so caught up in the outcome, we try to analyze the outcome. Well, we haven't gone through the steps. Where's the source of the issue? So we backtrack. So we backtrack and, and scanning is first. So I always get coaches, if I was using um, basketball, netball, rugby, soccer, they're scanning first for the behaviors as a coach. So my state needs to be good for me to scan. So yep. it still goes for the same. So yes, we're looking at that. Now, here's, here's where it's a no. I've now spotted that it's a scanning issue. So I believe it's scanning issue, but I'm not going to tell them that. I'm going to say, can you work through the review action review process for me? So then I'll go, okay, so how, and if they're really flustered, I go, let me help remind you. So how is your state? And they're going, well, you know, I had a lot on. So would you say exceptional, acceptable, unacceptable, mm, unacceptable. Okay. So, so do we need to go on and go, no. Okay. So what can we do better next time? Do we need some tools and there's a bunch of tools we can help them with. And also we've got the rule of three that can help peers support each other. Now, if the state's good, then we go, okay, great. So share with me the data. So with an athlete, I go, okay, what did you see in here? But if it's an accountant, I go, okay, share with me your data or a salesman. And they would share, okay, this is what I was working with. Now I'm listening and now I'm going, ah, they've missed something. So then I can go, okay, if I could raise your awareness to this also and just that's it. And then they go, ah, and you can see, ah, okay, now move through the process. So straight away, now looking at the options, I go, ah, ah, and already they may go, I got it, boss, I got it. It's this. I said, well, great, but still work through it. And they go, right, if I, now I know that, that gives me a different option. I would have gone for that definitely, and this would have been the difference. So I think my execution was great. My state was really good, but actually it was a data issue. I should have looked there. Now I know next time I'm just going to look for that as well. And it's a hand touch, great, great job. So it's still play first, play last. Exactly. And again, I can see how that sort of flows all the way through. So they're owning it. They've, they've made the decision. Again, lots of coaches, lots of managers, lots of leaders think that, well, I'm helping them because I'm going to, I'm going to point out where I saw they did yeah. wrong. Or they go into coach mode and they go, so where do you think you went wrong? And they go, I yeah. don't know. But at least by working through the process, you can help them to identify it within themselves without actually saying, whoa, 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 stop. <laughs> Let's go back to that one. <laughs> Cause I think you missed something that, you know, yeah. and again, there's still elegant ways that you can do that without it being, no, 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 no. You've moved on too far because you've missed something at the start. And it's actually, that's where your problem was. Yeah. There's this perception that coaching can be, it's a long winded. I am a manager. I haven't got time to do this. I just need to tell them it's just quicker and easier. But actually, over the long term, all that happens is they throw their hands up and go, don't make this a guessing game, boss. Just tell me what I need to do. And then you've created a pattern of behavior that it can never be my fault. It can never be anything to do with me because I'm just doing what you tell me to do. Yeah. And it's understanding there's a transition of change that we need to, to take people through. So we need to be patient. We need to be relentless, but we need to understand, right, I've baselined where that person is. And it could be different. It could be different elements. Normally they'll fit somewhere in that action review process. And that may be a knowledge or understanding or skill thing as well, which can fit into the execution part. The data finding the understanding will be in the variable part. So it's allowing you, you put your intervention in there, but you're continually patient. But because you're giving them a framework, it said, okay, next time, every time just go through this process, 
And you know, next time when we come up, I'm really interested in your review of how you're doing. So then what we do is this, this is another element that's massive. We're now scanning for any positive shifts in that person's behavior, any component. Then we make sure, not just generalize, I think you're doing so much better, Waffle, like that old series back in the 70s, you're all doing very well in the shop. That, I don't know if you remember, it was years ago, British sitcom. The old guy comes out, the boss, you're all doing very well and then wanders off again. Thanks. It's, it's different than that. What we're saying is now, it says, right, uh, Billy, can I just have a catch up with you? It says, can you just review how you're doing? And we just get them to go through that. And, and a lot of people, they don't like bigging themselves up. So they might go, oh, hey, yeah, I think I'm doing okay. I still need to improve. So, well, now this is where the light and shade you spoke about coaching. It's not just about asking questions. It's knowing where to sit in. So this would be an example of going, I just want to share with you, this is what I've noticed. Your, your ability to be aware and manage your state is 10 times better than it was two weeks ago. That's you showing a commitment of change. And I've seen a massive improvement on that. So keep going. It's awesome. Now that type is specific, it's putting a name on it, it's recognizing the, the return on their investment, the return on their effort, and that is where the buzz comes from for that person. The outcome may still be the same, but you know where they need to get to, and you know they've just improved a facilitator which will get them there, and you're making sure they know you've recognized it. My immediate response to that is, and that helps that sustaining that change, because you're putting a spotlight on something. So there's that oh, yeah. age old uh, one minute manager principle of catch them doing something right. But, but that's not just, as you said, a glib sort of, oh, well done. What you did there was you created an environment yeah. where I now feel good about myself, about something, and I have a desire to stick at it. Yeah. Because again, I think that there's, it's very easy to do these quick interventions and tell somebody they're doing well or whatever, or point out what they need to work on. And we get a spike in performance and then it just drifts back down to where it was before, back to that baseline of acceptability because the spotlight's not on it. I, am, I, am I actually making a difference? They're actually improving, but they don't see it in themselves. So sometimes it's easy to just give up on it, I suppose. Yeah, and it's also understanding that they may not yet be able to measure accurately. So they still may be measuring their success based on outcome. And they're not yet understanding, actually, before you get a transition of outcome, actually, there may be a lot of little changes in your behavior before you see the consistent shift in outcome. So me as a manager and a coach needs to be mindful of that. And they, if they're not mindful of it, I need to raise their awareness to it. But I'm still using player first, player last. I'm still specific. You know, how you think you're doing. Work for, so I'm always, because I want to get to a point where they can accurately self-evaluate themselves and give themselves a pat on the back. And understand whether they're unacceptable and change it live without the need for someone else. But going back to what you just said there is I think, and this is it, just in my experience, so I could be totally wrong. I just could have been unlucky. But in when I've worked in schools, when I've worked in colleges, universities, in sport from grassroots through to Olympic level, international pro sports and in business, the challenge is, is most external consultants and trainers don't use effective adherence processes. And the problem is they'll evaluate their delivery based on an inval, not an exval. So what I mean by that is someone will come in and a consultant, very motivational, say all the great things, put slides on, share strategies, and everyone will walk out the room buzzing and going, can you just fill out this questionnaire? And I go, 10 out of 10, most life transformational thing I've ever heard. Unbelievable. And then within three weeks time, they do exactly what they did before. No change in behavior, no sustainable embedded change. So my interventions are all six months long, at least. 
So I worked with the corporate company, I established a baseline, I win the hearts and minds, and then there's this journey. So I'm doing one now in particular, and because of the, the obviously the present global climate, I can't meet most of them. So we have Zooms every single week, and I've got them in the different groups, but they're all over the world globally. It's a global company, and I share Win the Hearts and Minds. We've, you, we're using Teams. They've got their support groups. They've got buddy systems of three. They use the action review process. They share what their focus is for the week. They share hot, cold reviews on how little experiences are in the Teams each week they review first, they all come onto the Zoom, different groups up to 10. Okay, each person goes first, they share, right, this was my week, this is what I said I was gonna do, this is what I nailed, this is what I struggled with, this is what I need help on. But because we've got the teams and the groups, the three buddies, actually they're helping each other be successful even before the Zooms. And we keep building, 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 new information, embed it, right, we're ready, the next step. And we're ready for the blips, we're ready for the regressions, we're ready for the people to go, I'm too busy, I haven't put myself in the teams. I haven't committed to the things I've said. That's fine, but we speak about that. We don't get wound up. That's my job as an external to support the change. Let's speak about that. What prevented you from being successful? What, what interventions and strategies can we put in place to help you be successful next time? How can we all help? We set it up. Okay, we're ready when we're ready, guys. We won't cover anything new today. Let's deal with this. We've got each other and we keep moving. And they'll realize then oh my God, this is transformational. This isn't a chat. This is about really embedding change. And within three, four months, you're seeing the language, the state, the way they communicate, the clarity of meetings start to become more and more natural. But me as an external, I'm always looking for two things. I'm ready for the regressions and I'm okay with it because we're humans, but I'm not taking responsibility from them. And I'm always aiming to make myself redundant. So how can I build the mentors within? I call them ninjas and I do ninja mastery. The mentors inside that may not be hierarchical, that are great influencers, how can they take this on? So when I leave, there's still some accountability and support within the buddies group. They're still living it. So that's when you realize if we really want change, we're humans. It takes time. It takes time with real fundamental support at people and we have to recognize, I think it's shown up even more now with the issue within the world. We need to recognize we can't just focus on performance. We need to focus on wellness and people because wellness and people drive performance. Yeah, there's a simple principle here of understand the need behind the behavior. So, you know, people will act out in certain ways. And as a result of that, we can either sort of look at the behavior and go, well, that's unacceptable. But actually, sometimes just trying to understand, so what's driven that? Yeah. What's going on in their world? And again, sometimes, you know, when we're having these conversations, this all sounds all lovely and theoretical and whatever, but it's the practical application of it. It's about really genuinely applying principles that help people to make this transformation and stick with it. And the thing you said about time, which is fascinating, is you often talk about the change curve and you understand that people will go through this cycle of change and, and some people can move through it faster than others because their situation, their circumstances, whatever, they might be just ready for it. But the bit that's really fascinating to me is when you see a manager or a leader who a change is let's say, enforced upon them, something is changing and they have to learn to deal with it. And they get emotional and off they go on this sort of rant and take some time to deal with it, whether it's minutes, days, hours, uh, weeks. And then it comes to a time where they have to roll that out to everybody else and they roll it out to their team and they share this change. And a number of things can happen in this situation. Everybody in the team starts to throw their toys out of the pram and go through this emotional upheaval. And the manager forgets that they've just spent the last two weeks being able to adjust to that. 
and goes, come on, guys, we just need to suck it up and get on with it and, and whatever, and doesn't allow them that same experience. Is that going back to your process again of managing states, understanding the data and using that principle to not just do it for yourself, but then allowing others to go through that as well? Yeah, there's a huge element to that. So you might need to remind me because there's so many, but I'll cover the one that's <laughs> on my head now. So there's a level of layering. And what I mean by layering is that anyone starting you and irrelevant who they are, they're the same. So it's a bit like if you were to go on stage and it's and you're on Broadway and it's a thousandth time you've done that stage delivery for that person in the audience it's their first time so it's a mindset of understanding that but also understanding anyone that comes in they need to see the value of why we're doing it before we start upskilling any knowledge or skills and the value isn't something we tell them a value is something they've got to tell us so you don't, they don't need to like it they just need to see the value in it so if i can use an example to football for example soccer now, if I'm a coach, I've now recognized that we need to change the way we're doing transition defense, for an example. Now, I could go, right, okay, guys, I've noticed these on a video. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a different transition defense. And I believe this will help prevent us conceding goals. And then off we go. And everyone's nodding. Any questions? No. And off we go. Now, we might have 50% of them going, yeah, great. I love coach. Coach knows. And we got the other 50% thinking, why the hell are we doing this? We don't need to do this. So if we now shift that and the coach says, right, okay, let's just, I want you guys to review our transition defense. And when we get to a better level, you don't even say transition defense, just review that match for us, pick up the trends, what we do consistently well, we do every time, sometimes, and never, and exceptional, unacceptable, and acceptable. And then they will pick up, but through transition, we would say to the ones, I want you to review our transition defense and pick up what you see every time, sometimes, never. And now they share with us and go, well, actually, in, with these type teams or every time, with these type teams that pressure us high, uh, higher skill, accurate long kicks, we're never. They always get for us in the game. We concede at least one. So we can say, okay, so what if I could come up and we could share a way where we could improve that? What impact would that have on us within games? particularly with the teams you've highlighted. And they go, oh, make a huge difference to us. Okay, so let me share with you now. This is going to be challenging because we're going to have to start doing things we haven't done before. But do we all see the value of why we're going to do it? Yes, coach. Okay, let's go. Now that interaction, now it won't solve everything. We're still going to have conflict, et cetera, and it's not going to be there every time. But what we're saying to everybody is, I need you to let me know why we're doing this, not me let you know. And that's, that's part of coaching craft, right? So going back to the second point, that was only one point, by the way. <laughs> the second point is, then that is a skill in itself. So I can do that because I've spent 30 years fine-tuning my craft with many different organizations. But asking a manager that spent a week or a day or a two-week course to then do that with other people is an unfair ask because it's a skill. So what I always do is, I develop the people of influence and I do that. Then once we get it moving and they become more skilled and embedded in it, then we link up what I call the rule of three where people help others be the best they can be. And then all I do is I step in and sometimes I go, Mark, we've got a fresh bunch of people. I just do the initial bit, the win hearts and minds, and then everyone else takes over. So it's a way of understanding is we could say, so yes, I, I want to make you redundant, but I also understand unless you're doing this every single day, unless a manager does this every single day, he will get skill fade. She will get skill fade. And actually she won't be skillful or he'd be skillful straight away. So why not set yourself up success? So you be effective at bringing it alive and keeping it alive. But the things that take a bit more skill, 
just bring the external to do in and go right let this set them up for you better and then you move it and it, you you think about education you think about business you think about you know sport there's sometimes when we go i'm not skilled enough because i don't do it often enough for me to do the best job so i'll just get someone else in to do that thank you then i'll take over and it's understanding what you're good at what you're not good at the amount of time you need to invest become good at it and then say to yourself do i have that time no okay what's the best solution for that so that we're back to then using the action review process in a way to to validate your decision making for the choices you're going to make even on interventions so we're back to common language again yeah i think that's fantastic and again the reason i think it's fantastic is because i've seen far too often where you're chatting away to somebody in a business and they go i'm really into personal development me i'm i'm keen to get better and all the rest of it. you go great so let's set up a personal development program for you and oh i haven't got time for that yeah, so yeah. that's quite interesting but then the next thing you do they turn up on a, a one day or a two day course and they're given all this information they take it on board they do exactly what you just said this is brilliant i've got pages and pages of notes here and then they get back to their day job and they go i'll get round to that when i've got time yeah, yeah. because at the moment i've just got to firefight all yeah. this stuff and the other bit is that they don't want to try it until they're in the perfect scenario yeah. so all of a sudden they never find that perfect scenario and it's gone or you get the other extreme where they come back and the first thing they do is try all of these techniques on everybody they meet and they turn around and say you've been on a course haven't you <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> so, that's all right we'll yeah. give it a couple of days we'll knock it out of you and it just becomes that thing i made the reference to culture earlier if you want to change culture it's got to become an embedded way of behaviors rather than it just being a we're an innovative culture or we're an entertaining culture or we're an engaging culture well no the culture is what we see and feel and experience all the way yeah. through so there's lots of fantastic stuff there and i love that principle of once again applying that let's get the individuals around it to own it and drive it and if it's not something they can own at this point in time find somebody you can whether it's a nominated person within the business who has that skill set yeah and will enhance that and part of their role ongoing rather than it being every manager needs this in their toolbox yeah. even though they never use it so how do you create an environment where you'll often find that as we said that there's a bunch of individuals and we deal with the individual but they are part of a team and there's a difference between being part of a team that's actually working together based on different skill sets different knowledge different competencies different confidences and different things and that's still being a high performing team we often hear about team building and i get called many times on hey could you come and do some team building sessions and it's that thing of like well let me just define what you mean by that do you want team building team bonding or a jolly but how do you create this scenario where for example your buddy system with three people is that creating an environment where there's a trust and a safety of i can provide you with feedback or i can help you to observe in yourself even though i might not have that skill set myself i'm in a position for one of a better phrase to call you out on it yeah there's a timing element to it um, my whole which has been my toughest journey over the decades is to get this simple provide simple tools so people can understand it they know what it looks like they can bring it alive so the buddy system won't work straight away you've got right. to know when to put it in 
So I really have to manage that through the teams myself, or I'm in all the groups and the Zoom catch-ups or face-to-face when we're allowed to do that. So we start it simple. The simple thing is establish your own baseline. So let's look at that in a corporate sector. The corporate sector would be, if I'm running a meeting, we record the meeting. So they, they literally, and your whole aim for you is to, I do what I call hot and cold reviews. So we're recording the meeting. That could be a Zoom recorder. It could be just a sound if it's, you know, in those meetings. And before you've stopped record, even if everyone's left, you then do a hot review. And the hot review is self. How are you? How is your state? How is your listening? How are you interacting? Did you achieve the success you said at the beginning? Just that. And then the second question is, how were others? And you just verbalize that straight away. So you're in the heat in the moment, it's emotional. Then you do what I call a cold review. So you'll listen back then to the recording and you'll keep focused on you itself, how you interacted, et cetera, same principles. And then looking at that, then you do exactly the same again. You record now your cold review. After listening to myself, I was 100% accurate on this. I wasn't on this. I wasn't on this. I wasn't on this. So now what we're doing is we're getting people to be more self-aware of what they think they're doing and what they are. So my first stage of interventions, that's early stage. I share with them the hot, the cold review, how to do it. We agree how often we're going to do it. So initially I go, just do one a week and we share it in teams. So we just share. And I ask people, and some are really scared of this initially, just like on teams or Slack, WhatsApp, whichever organization I'm working with, just press record and talk it don't type it now there's there's a few things with that if you're talking it you don't have to second guess your typing and you get the emotions with it so really good for the hot and cold reviews and we share that in the teams then the next week we just review that and if they haven't done it guess what we don't move on we go okay so what's prevented you remind me of the value to this why we're doing this okay so what can you set up success next week and it may be then i have to use me and go okay so let's what we do is then we fine tune it so we've given them an opening and it's judgment on this is all judgment by the way we're giving them open mm-hmm. they decide when to do it people have someone hasn't okay now i tighten up so a tighten up may be okay great so i know you wanted to so what prevented you mark i just forgot about it okay so how can we come up with a strategy this week to be successful and it may be i make suggestions if they can't get it or others make suggestions but it's so the common ones is all right let's get it in the timetable let's target a meeting put it in your phone little alarm off we go and then to help you, do you want me to send you a little text an hour before just to remind you because we're all setting ourselves up for success here. And then, okay, so how long before you're going to drop that into Teams? I'm going to do that by Tuesday at five, Mark. What if you don't do it by five? What do you want me to do? They tell me. So now they're giving me permission to hold them accountable. I'm not telling them. So that's just one example of how we work through the interventions. Then we move to the next step. And there's like layers we go through and it may generally it takes two months before we go into the buddies but by doing the hot cold reviews and then we get people to give feedback so everyone's got a thumb up when someone's done it or give a positive feedback any observations in teams so we now get into interact then we drop them into the teams of three and the teams of three initially we say two things here when someone shares their actions for the week which i'll do every week after i've done the zoom you just highlight your team of three screenshot it and your aim is to help them be successful that week So what would that look like to you? The second one is you have one, and it could be 20 minutes, but you have one formal get together, whether that's Zoom, if someone's in a different country or face-to-face, and you just discuss wellness. The three of you just meet and you just share wellness, share about you as a person, the challenges you've got, and just do that. And what you'll find is that it generally takes three to four meets of that wellness meet, I call it wellness buddies, before they start opening up. And all of a sudden now it becomes enrichment. 
Then what we do after four or five weeks, we switch the buddies. So they have different people and you'll find, I mean, business I'm working with now is people have been working that organization for 10 years and there are six months into this intervention now and they're saying, Mark, there's people I thought I knew for 10 years. I now know them. The, our, our quality of rapport, how we communicate is so much better. People are walking past offices now and just checking in, scanning behavior. They're looking a bit down. How are you doing, Sheila? And then we've got other tools we use, a rule of three to three A's, et cetera, to help the acceptance. So there's a layering system. The aim is to keep it simple. And my judgment is they're ready when they're ready. So once we move it, we move it, we move it. And if they're not ready, we deal with why not. We deal with the barriers, we move on again. Yeah. And it, that's the process. So it is the craft, the light and shade of coaching, not just go, this week we're going to do this, this week we're going to do this, this week we're going to do this. I think that's brilliant because, again, I see it so often, that situation of, okay, so have you done what you said you were going to do? No. Oh, okay, right. Well, we're going to have to move on because we've got a lot to cover today. But can you make sure you've done it next week? You know, I've yeah. seen people write action plans and development plans with people. And when I sit down and say, can I have a look at the, the quality of it? One, some of the language and the quality of the actions and the, the approach to it is interesting. But also what I often see is the milestone dates have just been crossed out and changed to, well, another month. So why are the dates changed? Oh, he didn't get it done in time. So I just extended it for another month. Okay, but why did he not get it done? There's no yeah. analysis of it. It's just, yeah. we'll just keep moving the milestone. Yeah. So I think, I think there's some, some really fantastic stuff in there and that creating that environment where their aim is to help the others to be successful and thereby one, they're getting two other people doing the same for them, but they're doing it themselves as well. They've got to do that self-awareness, self-analysis piece. And am I in the right state to do this? You know, am I, have I put myself in the right state to help somebody else? Uh, am I open to the feedback that I'm getting? Why did I respond in that certain way? I think there's so much that can get unpicked with this. But I also like that fact that your interventions are all about going in, working with an organization to actually create that adherence and that sustainable change, as opposed to just being, as I mentioned earlier, that management intervention where you get an endorphin spike yeah. and a focused performance in improvement that then drops back to the previous baseline again. Yeah. I think that's really key. It's really fascinating because some of what you were saying there is very aligned to my narrative consultancy approach with, with very similar where the recorded approach of, right, we do it in the moment, but let's review some of the, the, the elements of that afterwards. I think that's really fascinating. Okay, so the final question, I suppose, is that one of the things that you've seemed to have talked about all the way through is the fact that you do this self-analysis piece and self-awareness piece and you've progressed over time and some of it has come through trial and error and failure and you sort of said the light and shade elements but it'd be very easy to think well I've got this process now I know that it works so I've cracked it and sort of sit back and just let that go so what do you do to continue to focus on your own personal performance development well I use the system is a simple <laughs> answer so I use the action review process you know I've I've got a recognition that the world is changing and we've got a great example of that recently. You know, everything's moved to the internet now. The world is changing. Humans are changing in how they're dealing with the world. A lot of it negative, some of it positive, but we're still human beings. We still, you know, have self-image, self-esteem. We still know if our wellness is poor, it influences us. So, you know, I've, I've been through dark times myself with my own depression, et cetera, over the years. And I think one of the things we've got to recognize is when we're looking at someone, don't look at their present behavior and think that's them. Their present behavior is influenced by their interpretation of the past and their interpretation of the situation. And maybe they haven't been given the tools to help them be a different person or a better person within themselves. So 
I still know the stuff that I can learn. I still know that with the world changing, I've got to continue to challenge my stuff to know, okay, what can I do to make that easier? And, and I'm, I'm picking up best practice all over the place. I do a different intervention. There'll be something I go, I'll just subtly adjust that. I record all my deliveries and I watch my own deliveries back to review what did I now there? What could I do differently? The slides will always adjust. So if I stopped doing that, I one, I'd be bored. And secondly, I wouldn't be living my own principles. And if, if you speak to anyone that knows me, that the one thing I'll say is I live by the principles I share. And I think that's so important for anybody. Fantastic. Listen, Mark, all that's left for me to say is thank you ever so much for today. I've taken a myriad of notes here. Uh, there's certain things I'm definitely going to be applying. And once again, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for your time. Oh, it was a pleasure. I hope someone's picked something up that would stimulate more research into awareness of things how we can get better but it's always recognizing what you're already doing well and how you can repeat that which is a key thing sometimes so once again a very big thank you to mark for sharing his story and his approach to maximizing performance potential i really enjoyed that conversation and i took a lot from it things like the importance of self-awareness managing your state and ensuring you're in an effective state for the specific requirement and intervention and then clarification of what is acceptable, unacceptable and exceptional and the ownership and responsibility of this using the player first, player last approach. But this isn't about what I took from it, it's about what you got from it. I'd love to know what you think and what you've tried and applied from these conversations. You can reach out to me on the various social media platforms such as Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn via the website infinitepie.co.uk or you can even email me using ipt at infinitepie.co.uk. If you want to know more about Mark and his performance development system, you can check out his website pdscoaching.com and find him on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. I'll put all the links in the show notes so you can reach out and let him know what you think or any questions that you have. And of course, you can tell him what you thought of this conversation. Okay, so as always, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to listen to these conversations. It really means a lot to me and I hope it's helping you too. So have a great one. Now go and do stuff that matters.